Welcome, I'm Anastasia Glova bringing you the Cato Daily Podcast. Full and edited versions of our podcasts are available on our website at www.cato.org. The House of Representatives approved a bill this month that outlaws using credit cards for online gambling. As the internet gambling industry comes under continuous fire from legislators and religious groups, Cato policy analyst Radley Balco examines the paternalist temptation. Why are Justice, Treasury, and now Congress clamping down on internet gambling of late? Well, it's a good question. I think in Congress, the motivation here is morality. I think there are a few members of Congress who are morally opposed to gambling, and so they think the rest of the country should abide by those same values. Uh, As for the Treasury and Justice Department, I mean, gambling has always been illegal in this country, um, and illegal gambling over the Internet, at least from the bet-taking side of the equation, uh, has been illegal basically since the Internet. I think Justice and Treasury are, are taking their lead from Congress, though, and I think they're clamping down of late, uh, in part because this bill is making its way through the House. What precisely are they threatening to do, and how will that affect other companies such as credit cards and Internet providers? The bill that just passed the House Basically, it deputizes financial institutions to start monitoring their customers' behavior so they can't gamble online. So basically, right now, all the credit card companies have already sold out on this issue and agreed to not let their customers use their services to gamble. They were pressured basically by the Justice Department and a few state attorneys general uh, led by Elliot Spitzer in New York. But you can still gamble online, and how most people do it is they wire money from their checking or savings account to an offshore payment service, uh, basically an offshore version of PayPal. And then they use those services to wager online. This bill basically tells banks that they have to figure out when their customers are using this money to gamble. And, you know, once the money leaves your bank account and goes into one of these offshore payment services, your bank really can't track it anymore. So I think what banks are going to end up doing is just cutting off all transactions with any of these offshore payment services, which is interesting because you can use them for anything other than gambling. And in that way, this bill sort of becomes a protectionist bill for PayPal, a domestic company, in that it basically shuts off its biggest foreign competitors to U.S. customers. Are living room poker games where money is involved illegal? Um, well, that's a good question. There are a few things that are involved in a poker game to make it illegal. There has to be an element of chance. Poker players will actually tell you that poker is far more skill-oriented than chance-oriented. You can make a living at poker. You can't make a living playing roulette or blackjack or slot machines. But you need chance. There has to be a buy-in, so you have to pay money up front, and then there has to be a prize. And there also has to be a profit. So the the person running the game has to get a take. So there are four elements. If a game meets all four of those elements, then it's illegal. But there have been crackdowns, (laughs) to tie this to one of my other issues. Um, There have been SWAT teams that have raided poker games in Dallas and New York City. And actually, there have been SWAT teams that have raided charity poker games in Ohio, Colorado, uh, and Maryland. Uh, and then, of course, here in Virginia last January, uh, you know, we had someone accidentally shot and killed by a SWAT team who had come to arrest him for gambling on sports. What about the gambling industry's links to organized crime and terrorism? Well, I mean, to the extent that there are links, they're caused by the prohibition of gambling. I mean, just like anything else and any other vice, 
when you make something illegal, it goes underground. And that's when it becomes lucrative and attractive to organized crime, terrorism organizations, and other crime syndicates. You know, the, the congressmen pushing this bill talk about the fact that gambling is unregulated and it can be used for, you know, all sorts of nasty purposes. But the solution to that isn't to continue to try to prohibit it and push it further underground. The solution is to realize that this is a consensual act. Nobody's getting hurt by gambling other than possibly the gamblers themselves. And the solution is to legalize it, bring it on shore, regulate it, preferably let markets regulate it. And put it out in the open. Don't push it further underground. Can you tell me about the case of the UK gambling CEO who was detained at an airport recently? Yeah, this is an interesting case, and it's disturbing also. Carruthers runs a website called BetOnSports.com, and it's a, a website that's incorporated in Costa Rica but traded on the London Stock Exchange. And Carruthers himself is a UK citizen. In just about every Western country, what he does is perfectly legal. It's illegal in the U.S., and so when Carruthers came to the U.S., uh, I believe he was switching airports in Texas between the U.K. and Costa Rica. He was essentially snatched out of the airport by uh, U.S. officials, detained, arrested, and now he's been charged. Not only that, even more disturbing, three other people have been charged who are actually with marketing the website. Uh, and they were charged with fraud. And apparently the charge stems from the fact that the website says that Bet on Sports is licensed and regulated, which is true. It is licensed and regulated in Costa Rica and the U.K., and it's legal wherever, uh, just about in every other country in the world, or every Western country anyway. But because U.S. customers could access that website in the U.S., Somehow claiming that the website was licensed and regulated amounts to fraud in the eyes of the federal government. And this is pretty scary, and I think when you combine it with some questionable extraditions lately between the U.S. and Britain and in Canada, it raises the possibility that the U.S. is going to basically start imposing U.S. law around the world. And, you know, the reverse of that is what happens when other countries start holding U.S. citizens to their own laws. So there'll be, there'll be lots of interesting implications coming from this arrest. It'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. This has been Cato Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening.